Hi, I'm Roxanne Serta, and I'm the acquisitions editor for CNT Publishing. I've been acquiring books for nearly 20 years, and the past seven of those have been here at CNT. Through my job, I get the privilege of meeting countless designers, authors, and industry professionals who all do amazing things with their creativity. I'll be bringing some of those quilting and stitching personalities to this podcast to share their amazing stories and insider information. Download the latest episodes and get to know great crafters, learn the backstories behind events and people, and hear funny stories from people living the crafty life. So hi, this is Roxanne Serta, and thanks for joining us again at Behind the Seams. Um, I'm here today talking to Judy Gauthier. Judy has been sewing for most of her life, starting at about age nine. She owns Bungalow Quilting and Yarn, an online and brick and mortar shop. She's the author of numerous quilt and sewing books and designs fabric lines for Studio E. So Judy, thank you for taking time to talk with me. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm really honored that you asked. (laughs) Well, and I'm not sure what day we're going to release this episode, but you and I are recording this on a Friday. And well, I don't know about you, but it's been a remarkably busy uh, month of October so far. So I kind of feel like starting out with something funny. Do you mind if we talk about how you and I met? Oh, I think that's a great idea. It is a funny story. (laughs) I could start it off, but jump in. So Judy, you reached out to me before a trade show. It was actually Quilt Market was the trade show and said, I have an idea I'd like to share with you. And do you have a little bit of time for me? And I said, absolutely. I would love to. I'm waiting at my table you came up and you rolled up with the two biggest suitcases I've ever seen. <laughs> yes, they were packed. They were. And, you know, I have to say, I've been acquiring books for 20 years. Even now, you're the only person who's ever showed up at a book pitch with a demo. Oh. So what was it that made you make take that approach? The thing that's so funny about it was, as I was thinking this up and coming up with this way to use up my scraps... I thought to myself, I don't know, it's so simple and so, you know, so easy. It's almost too simple for somebody to think that this would be a good idea. And then the more I thought about it, I thought, well, it is simple and that is why it's a good idea. So I made my husband come with me to market to help me to bring these suitcases because I had made all these quilts just using this cut up method. And I thought, but I can't just tell her about this method. I have to actually show her what I've been doing. So I packed the templates. I packed the rotary cutter. I packed the rotary mat. I guess I wasn't even aware that you would have the setup that you'd have, that you had a table right there in the booth. And so I was really glad to see there was a table. But then I put, it wasn't a huge table. I put this giant cutting mat on your little table. And I whipped open these suitcases and had this stuff all over the place. And I thought, oh my gosh, what is she thinking? Well, and actually, oh my gosh is exactly what I was thinking because (laughs) you really were the first person to ever do a demo. And my first thought was, oh my goodness, this is going to go off the rails and I don't know what to do about it, you know, (laughs) but to be polite. And so I was like, okay, okay. And then you get into it and you start going through the, the method and showing how it worked and then start showing a couple quilts. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Stop. You know? And the look on your face was like some, your dog had died, you know? (laughs) And I thought, oh no, she's taking this wrong. And I said, wait, wait, you sold me. I like the idea. And then it's like, it all kind of went from there. (laughs) Yes. Cause you did. You said, stop right there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she thinks I'm a lunatic. And I think I probably come across as a lunatic. (laughs) 
No, actually, we we internally think of you as the demo queen because <laughs> if you show something, people get it and they want to do it. And so, yeah, that was the first thing that came across was like, oh wow, this like I want this. But it was funny because it was a situation I hadn't had before. Uh, but it worked out because we've been working together for years now. Yes. I personally think of your method of quilting as scrap theory with capital letters. Yeah. Because it's all based on math and I don't get it. But I'm okay with not getting it. But can you kind of explain a little bit of why it works? The how is too complicated if you're not a math junkie. What, what is it that makes it really cool? I think what makes it really cool is that you, you're right. It is based in math, but you don't have to do any math. Honestly, I am not a mathematical genius by any stretch of the imagination. I know certain formulas that work. And I stick with those formulas. But in, beyond that, you know, I'm not a math, uh, mathematical genius by any stretch of the imagination. What I like to tell people is that every once in a while, a blind squirrel finds an acorn. And when I stopped, this all came about by playing in my sewing room. I just was playing and playing. And I think people don't allow themselves to play with their fabric. They're so focused on, I got to go upstairs and get this done. You know, you need to let go of that. Now, this is, I'm probably not answering your question. I will come back to answering your question. But what I really want to say is, don't be afraid to play. You know, don't use your best fabric that you've spent a fortune on when you're playing. You know, find some scraps that aren't as near and dear to you. But the, the templates, I was playing with these three sizes of squares because it happened to be the ones that I had in front of me. And I thought, so I started cutting them up. And I realized that, well, if I cut this triangle in half, it goes perfectly along this edge. And when I cut this piece off, it goes perfectly along that edge. And it was just a result of playing. So the funny thing is, is that I was doing this demo before I ever even showed it to you, Roxanne. A customer came into the shop and I said, hey, you want to see something really fun that I've been playing with? And I, I knew her sister, the, the person who came into the shop brought her sister with her. And I did not know that the sister was actually a mathematic genius and was a professor <clears throat> at one of the colleges out East. She explained to me why it worked. And I stood there and I looked at her dumbfounded because <laughs> I had no idea that there was actually theory behind these three sizes. And I honestly stumbled across it, but it really does work. When you use those three sizes of templates, the combinations that you can make both with triangles and squares, is unbelievable. It is. It's, uh, it's a little bit like fabric alchemy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I think that's unique um, is that a lot of the different scrapbooks either have you cut it into strips. Most of them start with strips. Right. Or it's such specific sizes for each individual block that it's kind of hunting and pecking. And yours is like, okay, if you've got all these scraps, cut them into these three size squares, and then you've got this stash of things to pull from and just make tons of stuff. Absolutely. Just a myriad of designs that can come from those sizes. Absolutely. Well, the other funny thing, and this goes right back to that original first demo, you held up a few quilts. And the first thing that struck me was, oh, I've got that fabric and that fabric and that fabric. So like I recognize a lot of things from my stash in this quilt. And then you said, but look more closely. And I said, what? And he said, 
this is the ugliest fabric I've ever used. And you're pointing to it. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. It's horrendous. But the way it comes together, you see the color and the value. You don't see yeah. the horrendous novelty print. Well, yeah. and you had, you made the point too, that like you had boys and they, they all wanted novelty prints that were not to your taste. Right. And then when they're older, you ended up with this massive stash of stuff you would never use. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Because I was trying to make quilts for a hockey raffle every year. And so I'm buying fabric to appeal to those people. And now I've got all these scraps left over. Yeah. And, and that's the beauty of those acrylic templates is that many of us are garment sewists. We don't just sew with strips. We don't just cut our stash into strips. We make bags and we make drunkard's path quilts or we make a a shirt with a sleeve and it leaves a really bizarro end piece. Um, and if you have an acrylic template, you can just plop it down on that piece and cut around it. You know, honestly, if I had to pull all those scraps out and square them up and cut them into strips, number one, the strip wouldn't be the right size. And number two, I, I'm just not going to do it. It's way too much work. But if you've got something that works like a cookie cutter, like plopping that acrylic template down and just zipping right around it, hey, you know, it's going to get used. I think too, even if somebody doesn't have a lot of older novelty prints or stuff that they've made maybe on commission, everybody has stuff that they've aged out of. Like either right. you bought it and your kids are older now, or you bought it a long time ago and it's the fabric's kind of out of fashion now, but you could still use it with this to, right. to throw it. It's, it's, it's kind of why it's alchemy. If you haven't seen it, you got to go check it out. Judy's got a bit about it on her website and we've got a lot about it on ours. So Definitely take a look. But I wanted to, to segue a little bit and say, like, like so many creatives, you wear a lot of hats. You're a fabric designer, you're a shop owner, you're an author, you're a quilt designer, and you're an ICU nurse. Yeah. So how do you juggle so many things all at once? I, this is going to sound, and I hope everybody out there that's, that's listening that has some element of ADD will say, yes, that's me. I mean, it helps to have ADD. I mean, I, because I don't get all worked up if somebody interrupts me in the middle of doing something, I'll just, oh, sure, I'll pop over and do that for a while, you know. You know, people that have that type of brain where your brain works on keeping lots of plates spinning, you know, can, can do that kind of thing. The thing about being a nurse, I feel like I see so many things in that line of work that are so sad and not the best human condition. And then you look at quilting and sewing, and that is the best human condition. Being creative, being creative in groups of people, appreciating beauty and color is like the best of human condition. I like to have something in my life that I can look forward to that is the best of human conditions when I'm faced with so much that isn't. And I do have a lot of help. I have to say, I, I wouldn't, if I was doing it all by myself, I, 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 I couldn't do it. But I do have girls that work for me in the shop are fabulous. Oh, they're just, yeah, one in particular that can really keep, she's the one that keeps lots of plates spinning in the air. And if I ask her, she too doesn't get all worked up. I'll say, I really need you to do the orders today because I just got called in to the hospital. And she'll say, oh yeah, well, I was going to do this, but hey, I'll sneak over between this and this. I mean, she can just, it doesn't bother her to be interrupted, put it that way. So, yeah. So any of you out there that have ADD or have those kind of conditions, it, it isn't a downside. There's no downside to that. Positive. It's a very positive thing. Yeah. yeah I think you just described how I work. So yeah. Yeah. That's why we get along so well. It is, I think. Definitely. 
in your perspective as a nurse, you have talked on your blog and elsewhere about face masks and PPE and you've got patterns out there. Mm -hmm. So I would love it because there's a lot of questions out there and there's a lot of stuff that I think just from a personal standpoint looks a little substandard. Like what are your recommendations if somebody's wanting or needing to make their own PPE? Well, I'm going to try to be succinct because boy, this, that particular topic could last three hours, right? (laughs) Um, My husband's also a physician and he did a full solid day of literature search and compiling literature and looking through it because they look, doctors look at research through different eyes than nurses do. It's set up completely different. They are good at finding what is proven and reliable and nurses are, nurses are good at using what's proven and reliable. Okay. So that's kind of the split. He found in all the searches that the best materials for masks is definitely cotton, not nylon, not silk, but definitely cotton. There's something about the irregular structure of the fiber, okay, that traps, you know, the tiniest microns. And then they say that if it's cotton and it's three layers, that is superior to so many things. Now, people, when they first started making masks, were insisting, I need to have a filter, I need to have a gas escape valve kind of thing for the CO2 for blah, blah, blah. Last week and a half to two weeks has been particularly bad in Wisconsin. So we are inundated right now with COVID patients. And so we're putting on all this gear to go into the room. And one of the things that we put on is an N95 mask. And this is where the public got the idea that they had to have an N95 mask. The general public doesn't need an N95 mask um, because you're not getting the germs in a high concentration the way that a hospital worker is. Three-layer cotton mask will do you worlds of good. What it's all about is reducing the inoculum. The, the virus doesn't crawl. It's not like lice. So it, if it gets trapped in your cotton mask, it's going to stay there. So what you're doing is you're reducing your size of inoculum. I have an N95 mask when I walk into a room with a patient, but an N95 mask is only as good as the fit. So if I have an N95 mask that is poorly fitted, I might as well walk into that room with nothing on my face. Seriously, that's how important this is. Three layers of cotton combined with fit, because every year at the hospital, we have to redo our fit test to find the N95 mask that works the best for us. And if you wear the wrong one, like I said, you may as well go in without one. Three layers of cotton combined with a good fit is highly, highly effective. So if you are covering your nose up to the bridge of your nose and fits around the outside of your face to your jawline and then down under your chin, that is perfection with three layers of cotton. It truly is. And I I can't emphasize that enough. It's all about fit and three layers of cotton. So find the mask pattern that does that on your face, that doesn't slip. I personally don't use elastic on mine. I use ties because I can change it from day to day. You know, if my face is swollen, I don't know, you know, but the ties will fit me much, much better and they work much better than elastic. But that's not true for everybody. That could be totally different for someone else. So those three things, above the bridge of your nose, around to your mandible, you know, your jaw, where you get the joint where your mouth opens from below, and then down underneath your chin. That's and three layers of cotton. So long answer to a short question. (laughs) Well, it's not a short question because it is a long answer. It's an important answer. So really, you can just kind of go out 
play with the different mask patterns and find the one that works best for you. Absolutely. And make sure it's not gappy. It shouldn't be gappy. It should fit tightly and snugly across your face. And you've got one, one of, on your website, right? Right. That's correct. Okay. There's a video tutorial on my website. And you can, per- yes, you can purchase it also on my website when you click on shop. And gotcha. it's just like a nominal $2. It's, you know, and if people don't, can't pay the $2, they should email me and I'll email it to them. That's fine. I don't mind giving it out for free. And we'll put a link to that in the podcast description. So if you're listening and you want to go right there, um, just go look in the description. Oh, you know, I wanted to ask you, and this is, again, this is a complete segue because it's you and I can't help but like <laughs> jump all over the place when we talk. I wanted to know what your making for the holidays or what people who are newer to sewing could be making for the holidays because your shop is kind of known for quirky and fun different projects and stuff. Yeah, and we do a virtual, well, this year it'll be a virtual show. Every year we do a show in the back of the shop and it's shoulder to shoulder. It's so packed. Sometimes it's standing room only and we have so much fun. We It's called Let's Get Blitzen, meaning this is what, and it's always at the beginning of November. So this is what you can reasonably get done between November 7th or 5th or whatever day we have it on and Christmas Eve, okay? As sewers, we're all famous for thinking, oh, she's my favorite sister. I'm going to make her a quilt for Christmas and it's November 15th, right? Wrong. You're not going to do it. You're not going to get it done. And if you do get it done, you've taken all the joy out of the holiday season, right? So we present a whole bunch, and we're going to do it virtually this year. So we present a whole bunch of things that you can reasonably get done between now and Christmas. We have things like, and you know, I have these on my website too for people to order, those silicon oven mitts that are lined with fabric. The thing that is so wonderful about them, and I didn't even think of this myself, somebody, one of my customers did. They said, hey, those don't get so dirty. I'm always so embarrassed when I have company and I bring out my oven mitts that are not covered in silicon, they're just fabric, and they're filthy dirty because I've dragged them through pizza sauce and I've dragged them through lasagna, you know? So these are silicon oven mitts. Those are really, really fun. And you put your own lining, your own fabric lining and cuff on these oven mitts. That's really, really fun. A lot of people are into sewing bags, so we try to find bags that are simple, zippy cosmetic bags, things like that, because everybody loves to get those for Christmas, not just for cosmetics, but people use them to organize things inside of their purse or, you know, that kind of thing. And we also present like simple garments, like simple scarves, simple hats, simple things like that, that you can make up fairly quickly. We also like to endorse um, this Wisconsin company called June Taylor that has quilt as you go kits. And those are some really fun things too, to that you can get done very quickly. We, we do this right before Christmas. We, we evaluate all the products before we show them. Are these really things that you can get done between now and Christmas Eve and not ruin your whole holiday season? <laughs> I think the key there is not ruin the holiday season. Yes. Because I think if you're a crafter, you've done that at least once. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or you've been up, I remember being like in my teen years making a blouse and it was the 1970s because I remember that the blouse had long ties that came down and you tied it into a bow on the front of your blouse. And it was a very pretty blouse, but I was trying to do those ties and it was Christmas Eve because Christmas Day, we always dress very nice to go to church. And I just couldn't seem to get it right. And I remember just ripping it apart so many times and my mother trying to soothe me and calm me. And now I look back and think, was that worth it? You know, that was just a nightmare. So I should have been not a procrastinator and not done it on Christmas Eve, but you know, that's life. Well, you know, and when you're a teenager, I think you're just, you're contractually obligated to overreact to something. So, you yes. know, <laughs> yeah, you're 
That's true. <laughs> At least it was a blouse, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> Right. So yeah, so I I'm gonna go take a peek because I've got about 25 different people that I feel like I'm gonna sew for, and you know it's not gonna happen. Yeah, uh, maybe four or five, but not not right. everybody. Right. So you normally do a fair bit of traveling and some teaching, just for shops, guilds, that kind of thing. That teaching is a little bit grounded. Have you moved online like a lot of people have? Yeah, I've done some online videos of different things for the shop and put them on YouTube. And I've also done quilt guild meetings. And those are the best. Like I just the other night did a talk about my scrap quilting books and my uh, showed my quilts then online on the Zoom meeting that they had for this guild. And it was a fairly large guild in Green Bay, Wisconsin. A lot of people get really discouraged and they think, I don't want to do it if it's Zoom. I don't want to do, you know, a virtual thing. It's not as much fun. And you know, it isn't as much fun, but I've noticed the really cool thing about Zoom meetings, which is like between me and you right now, I can see your fun room and I'm looking behind you and I'm seeing all these awesome books and all these awesome games you've got in the background. (laughs) The cool thing is that you can see people in their natural habitat. And that's kind of fun. You see them in their homes and you see their backdrop and the kind of art that they love is behind them. And you get this different picture of people online that you don't necessarily see at a guild, you know? And I think that's kind of fun. It's a neat way to share. And I think people are really relaxed. This morning I was kind of shocked because I something came up and there was a reporter on the Washington Post. And I thought, oh my gosh, she looks so different than reporters that you see giving the news. She looks like a real person, you know? And I (laughs) thought that was really neat. She didn't have a bunch of makeup on and yet she was a very nice sounding person. And I I, I like that. I like that it's brought some genuineness back to us. You know, it's genuineness is not a good word. I can't think of a better word. It's, we get to see people in their natural habitat. I like that. Have you done any uh, classes so far or just like demonstrations and and lectures? Mostly demonstrations. I haven't done official classes yet because I haven't really figured out. I have uh, several customers that keep asking me repeatedly to do a class on long-sleeved button-down shirts, which I think is a fabulous idea because everybody wears button-down shirts. Everybody. You wear them under jackets. You wear them under sweaters. You wear them, you know, men wear them, women wear them, kids wear them. And I'm trying to figure that out. So that is on my list of things to do, to try to figure out a way to do this, that I can do it where people can ask questions and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's tricky. Hopefully you get it figured out because I'm sure there's a lot of people waiting for more than just that class too. What do you have coming up next? Like what's coming down the pipeline that people might want to be aware of? Um, I'm designing another line of fabric for Studio E, and I'm still working with doing patterns for um, my line that just was released this early fall in September. It's called All Lined Up, and it's all stripes. Um, So I'm still working with that, showing great ways to use stripes, because stripes really are so versatile, and I'm finding more and more ways to use them, and they're so much fun. Um, So yeah, so I'm still kind of working on showing people how to use these directional stripes and how much fun it is. Um, So I've been doing lots of patterns with those. So that's mostly in the works. And also, like you said, trying to figure out how to do Zoom classes. 
So you're, you're getting ready to be super, super busy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and um, you have a chair and on top of everything else, you have a charity project going right now. Is that yes. right? Yes, that's right. You did it last year. I think we did it last year. This year, we're doing it a little earlier. The reason we did it later last year was because I wasn't fully aware of the problem, the extent of the problem, until I was reading an article. Last year, we made we, t- we drove 149 quilts down to the border. We didn't cross the border, but there's a refugee camp in Matamoros, Mexico. I think I got the information from Doctors Without Borders because, you know, we, we have that kind of information available to us in our house all the time, where they were treating frostbite. You know, kids were getting very, very, very sick from the cold. And even though it's Mexico, Mexico in the desert at night in December and January is not warm. It is very, very cold. It kind of woke me up like, well, these people are really cold. And what do we have up here? We have willing quilters. We can fix this. We can fix this problem. We got as many quilts as we could stuff into a Suburban, which was 149 quilts. Honest to God, that Suburban, you could not have gotten a toothbrush into that Suburban after all those quilts were in there. We, had, we were so stuffed in there. We thought, boy, if we have an accident, who needs airbags? You know, we've got all these quilts. We drove them down to Catholic Charities has a building in, oh, it's actually McAllen, Texas. And they're right across from the border. And so there's no red tape. There's nobody telling you, you can't do this. There's no, there's, it just, we, it was so simple. We couldn't even believe it. We dropped it off. They unloaded it for us. This gentleman, we, they gave us a tour of their building at Catholic Charities where they were a food pantry and all kinds of other things. And the man was putting them in bags already and putting them into a vehicle to take across the border. They know him well enough. They let him across the border. They let him into the camps and he just delivered the quilts. And so we're going to do it again this year, only this year we're going to have to ship them. And I'll probably have to try to do some fundraising to try to get money for the shipping because the shipping is not going to be cheap. But driving them down there wasn't cheap either. So we'll get them made and we'll get them. And I offer free batting. And last year it was fabrics from my stash that I decided I could live without, which was a lot. Um, and lots of people, <laughs> that they said, oh my gosh, I have so much in my stash that I'm not really interested in keeping anymore. So I'll, you know, so people were doing, so they're large they're the whole cloth quilts or large, big strips. They were nothing complicated, but, but they were beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Binding by machine and 72 by 72. And I gave them free batting, free fabric. If they didn't have any of their own stash, they came in and took stuff off my sale rack and off we went. And so we're doing it again this year. As soon as the batting is delivered, and that's the delivery man that came up when I was talking to you earlier, Roxanne. So he was delivering batting. So that is the batting that's going to be used for the charity quilts. Oh, that's, that's timing for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so where, where do they go if somebody listening wants to take part or do their own thing and help out? Well, they should certainly email me at Judy at bungalowquilting.com or contact me through my website. There's a, if you go to my website, bungalowquilting.com, you can always click contact. And then I will tell them exactly if they don't even want to send it to me first or anything like that so that I can ship it. You can send it directly to a particular address and I can make sure that you get that address. And sister Anne, she's one of the nuns that works there. She'll be aware. I will tell her these things are on their way and it won't get lost. So do you have a, a goal in mind for the number of quilts or just take whatever and... We will take whatever. We will take whatever we are happy. We, we just, what we don't want are people to send junk that is, you know, not presentable. If it's a quilt that you wouldn't appreciate getting, 
then don't send it. You know what I'm saying? So if, if it's something that is raggedy or, you know, has holes in it or dirty or smells, we don't want that kind of stuff sent. We want something that these people can find. And we want, we want to do this before Christmas this year. Last year we did it. It wasn't before Christmas. It was after Christmas. We'd love for Catholic charities to be able to drive them across the border. And these people would get these for Christmas would be amazing. Just amazing. So big pieces, keep it simple, right? Make it new and do it fast. And if they need batting, I'll find a way to get it to them. Or, you know, there are, there are lots of sales running now too, all over the place. So there are, you can get batting for impossibly cheap. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time. Again, if you haven't, I know that I'm kind of hammering on this, but if you haven't watched Judy's demo with the squares and the scraps, you have to go do it because it is, it's pretty awesome. That and if you can find the walrus playing football fabric in any of the, <laughs> like an Easter egg, I think. Yeah. So there's so many ugly pieces in some of my quilts, but they all come together. They all come together using their, the color methods that I use. And yeah, yeah, they do. It does. It does work. And so since I said that, I have to share the the joke. It's not necessarily a private joke, really. It's just a joke. When you first did your demo, you said, you know, you can incorporate any fabric, you know, no matter how ugly. And you said, in fact, the only, the only novelty fabric I don't currently own is walruses playing football. Right. And I got such a kick out of that, that I called up Samara Kaja, who's another fabric designer and she's an artist and I told her, I said, you know, you do spoonflower fabric. I said, do you fancy doing walruses playing football? And she did. And you got some fabric and you put it in your quilts. <laughs> it was hilarious. Absolutely. And somehow it was cute. It was honestly cute. It is cute. On that note, definitely thank you for all of the great information on PPE, for a lot of cool places to go and get some more information and for the information on the the charities where people can send quilts to people who really truly need them awesome well, thank you for having me no problem you know anytime this is roxanne serta thanks for listening to behind the scenes want to know more about our outstanding group of authors and their books visit us online at ct publishing on instagram twitter our cnt publishing channel on youtube or on our website at ctpub.com